this Sunday, all over the, the world, uh, churches are praying for the persecuted church. You know, because we live in America and we, we have people that are becoming increasingly less kind to Christians. Um, I found there's, a, there's even a great apostasy of people just leaving the faith while still claiming to be Christians. Let me just say this. You can't really, in my mind, be an, 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 a, a real Christian and not believe that the Bible gives calls, balls, and strikes. It tells you about things that are sinful. Let not fornication be once named among you. You can't move in with your, 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 your stepmom. Those were issues that were in the first century church. And Paul said, hey, uh, we don't judge those that are outside. And so there's this big battle against Christianity and even Christians under the guise of, well, we're tolerant, you know. No matter what you do, I love you. That, that is the most ridiculous thing. And it's the most ungodly thing. Because if God's love just trumped everything, there'd be no hell. And yet the end of the book is where only families survive and every non-family is thrown in the lake of fire. Somebody had an opinion about behavior. God, God is that. So, so you know, we are, are believing uh, that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, it's our job, A, to get some doctrine that's accurate, and number two, influence other Christians in our city. And hopefully their church doesn't just teach pablum to just get people thinking it's just all that your, your, your lifestyle doesn't make a difference. So there is persecution against the Church of Jesus Christ in America, but not like it is in other places. In the last 150 years, more people have literally been slaughtered for their faith in Jesus than all of the martyrs from the time of Jesus on. So that means that, 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 that if, if the church was birthed by, by the blood of the Lamb and the blood of the followers, the church is being spread all over the world by people that are being killed for their faith. China has doubled down on their persecution. This new dictator in China is harsh against the church. They've gone to arresting people, et cetera, et cetera. People in India, they get, they get uh, ambushed and killed for preaching Jesus in India still. Even though we go to India, we go where people are caring to make sure we're safe. But that doesn't make India just a safe, happy place. Um, I go to Nigeria, northern Nigeria, the Boko Haram. Uh, just read an article about them taking a guy that burst into the house, denied Jesus. He wouldn't. They shot him four times. His wife got on the floor, knocked on the floor by them as they're chanting, you know, uh, Allah Akbar. And she's loving her husband as he's dying. And now we have a Christian widow who needs to be trained, who needs to be cared for. So persecution is still happening. So today we're going to start this meeting by praying for our brothers and sisters in all of those nations. We're not praying that they get evacuated. We're praying that the Spirit of God would raise up and evangelism would work to where that nation is changed. Iran, they say in Iran, because of the harshness of the mullahs that run Iran, the mosques are empty. Iran is having a revival. It's underground. And, and it's led by a lot of women who are willing to be raped and destroyed. And they said, the freedom we found in Jesus is worth laying our body down completely, no matter what. That's a church that can't be stopped. 
Trust me, the persecuted church, their faith is stronger than a bunch of Facebook Christians writing all kinds of craziness with make-believe scriptures. Persecution doesn't hurt, it refines. It takes away the phonies and the wannabes and the posers. I want to pray for real Christians in those nations. Would you agree with me right now? Father, right now, we from Joy Church Medford, we cry out for the persecuted church. We pray, Lord, that that church in Smyrna, that you said that if, if, if they'd be faithful unto death, you'd give them the crown of life. I pray, Lord, that, that every one of us would be willing, if, if called upon, that we would lay our life down for the gospel, that we would not recant, we would not deny God before men, we would not deny Jesus before men. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen the church in places like, like China and Saudi Arabia and Iran and Kuwait and Yemen, Oman, and all these various nations and other nations that, uh, where Islam has come to destroy in some cases physically destroy believers. And I pray, Lord, that the gospel will spread through every nation and the church will triumph. You said, Jesus, you were building your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And we just say this, gates, you're gonna be battered down by the force of the blood of Christ and the word of the testimony of the believers. We pray for the persecuted church. We pray that their faith would not fail. And we pray, Lord, that we would be comrades in arms and that we would not deny the faith with our doctrine and crazy postings. And Lord, that we would stay true and pure to the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I, I'm all wound up. You know, I've been on vacation, so I'm ready to preach for like two hours. And Natalie's job right there is to restrain me. Okay. And so I will try to, to keep this this good. Um, about two months now, I was uh, in, in Jerusalem, and, uh, and so uh, when you go on a, on a tour of Israel, a lot of times it's kind of like feeding a canary with a fire hose. Uh, you're going to get something, how much you can re retain is, is going to be incidental. But some of the things that fascinated me the most were the south side of Jerusalem. The south side of Jerusalem, the old city, you have you have the Al-Aqsa uh, um, uh, Mosque, and behind it, the Dome on the Rock, which are uh, controlled by, by uh, the Muslims, and, uh, and Israel permits that. And that's the, the place of the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, looking south from the Temple Mount, if you look down, you see a rather um, steep ravine and down below it is what they discovered with time was the city of David. The city of David was not up on the same mount as the Temple Mount and the historic city of Jerusalem. So the city of, of, of the, the, the Jebusite city, uh, which was the original Jerusalem, is actually down at the Gihon Springs. And in, it, in itself was a, a powerful fortress. But when, when David would, would pray to God and the psalmist, they were praying from that lower situation. And so all around, as they would pray, they would see these mountains and these hills surrounding them. And so that's how they actually discovered that the, that the city of David was not up at the Temple Mount area because they'd looked at the Psalms and, and what do you mean? Because if you're up on the Temple Mount, there's only one higher mountain and that's the Mount of Olives on the east side. And so, but when you get down to where David's city was, you see they were surrounded by mountains and, and it was there 
that there was the Gihon Springs and there was what's called Hezekiah's Waterway. And then there, there is stairs that go all the way up. And believe it or not, think about excavating something and having to dig through approximately 36 feet of dust and rubble. Many people think if you're from the Pacific Northwest and, and you know, we could have a cabin that's still out there and, and it's still on its original foundation. But in the desert, the, the dust and the dirt will blow in. And so literally, um, when they excavate, they go down until they hit bedrock because they know that there was nothing below the bedrock, right? And so this one British explorer he said, wow, uh, I don't think that what they call the city of David up there on the, on the old city is really it. And so he began to, from scripture, reason that, you know, when David said I, 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 that Jerusalem is surrounded by mountains. And so he began to look and he discovered the waterway, the Gihon Springs. And as they've uncovered it, it's actually houses and other things are built over the old pilgrim's walkway. And so as pilgrims would come from uh, let's say Nazareth or Capernaum, Bethsaida, uh, various places, Hebron. They were to come three times a year and they were to come and bring praise and worship and sacrifice and come and honor God in Jerusalem and they would come up what was called the Pilgrim's Road. You can now see the Pilgrim's Road and, and, and a good part of it was probably from the edge of the pew to I would say maybe just a little bit past uh, one of the girls here, you know, my controller. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. Uh, how come, Brittany, sorry about that. When I get preaching, I can't remember my own name, name. Sorry about that. So I'm not trying to be impersonal like just this person working here. It's Brittany. She, and she is my controller. She's coordinator right now. And so the Pilgrim's Road, which is a walkway, is not that, that big in the main part. But you get up right to the edge of the Temple Mount, and they built these two gates called the Huldah Gates, which are domed gates, just the century before Jesus came, which, you know, when you think of the scripture said, open wide ye gates, be lifted up your everlasting doors that the King of glory may come in. And so a hundred years before Jesus, they are making these huge gates, these domes for the pilgrims to come in. So, and that's where Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem was. Well, there are 15 steps that go up right to the Temple Mount. And we are looking at doing what we call the Songs of Ascent, which, is, which are the songs that as people would make this pilgrimage, they either had like 15 stations, we'd call them like stations of the cross, maybe where they even started from the Gihon Springs, they would pause and they would sing and they would share psalms and songs. It was either the longer path or the last 15 steps, which were distinct steps leading right to the Temple Mount. They would, they would sing and quote these psalms. These psalms are, as we're going to start with, they go from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. They're called Songs of Ascent, and each step meant you had a different song. Okay, y'all, think about the songs of your life. They change with time. I grew up on the Beatles, and so one of the songs, da-da-da-da, na-na-na-na, da-da-da-da-da-da. 
And it goes, will you still love me when I'm 64? I need a new song. Will you love me when I'm 94? You know, I got to change my song. Songs change. And, and, and this is something that one of my goals as pastor is I want real Christianity. I don't want anyone to come to this church and act like a Christian. Any more than I want to stand in front of the zoo and act like a giraffe. I, I want us to be Christians. And this craziness that I hear people talking like, well, Christians don't have any problems. Christians never have bad attitudes. Christians never say mean things. There's only one Christian on the earth like that, and it's Johnny. The rest of us are different. You're sinners. Look at you. Pull out your compact and face that mug. And the book of Psalms is about real emotion, about people living their life in real time. And one of the goals that I have is let's not throw away the moral aspect of our faith. Keep it for goodness sake. Stay moral. I don't want to be judgmental. Keeping holiness is judgmentalism. We need to rethink something. Legalism is adding to the rules. It's not taking away. Keep yourself pure. Love God. Have no other gods before him. My goal is for for people to not always just chime out with Jesus. You know, it sounded like what you described as a bird, but at Sunday school, I guess it's got to be Jesus. Sometimes you need to be able to say, like these psalmists, Psalm 120 starts out, I cried to God in my distress. Well, really, you know, shouldn't you have like medicated it a little bit, fluffed it up, changed it? So the first group of the songs of ascent, starting with Psalm 120, looking at Psalm 121, Psalm 122 is a a psalm of of praise and entry. We're not going to handle that because today we're talking about the songs of ascent that are called psalms or songs, prayers for help. I want to tell you something. I've been around a lot of dog and pony shows under the guise of church. Hello? I I don't need any fakery. I'm not really hung up on, you know, it. If you would take me to one of the local parishes, I could go to Catholic Church. I just want to know that the priest is born again. I want him, when he does his missile, that it's, it's, it's scriptural and that he actually feels it. And, and, and so I'm not hung up, well, would you go to Catholic Church? Yeah, I'd be, gladly go. Episcopalian, gladly go. Greek Orthodox, gladly go. Okay? And some churches just like us, I'll gladly go if there's real Christianity there. Not, 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 not fake aloo. Not nobody shares where they're really at. That we all learn to just kind of fake it. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Well, it's not what your wife feels. I'm doing fine. It's not what your husband feels. You're doing fine. How come your kids are a wreck? Having your kids in... A pile of manure is not fine in, in, in my worldview. 
I'll see you next Sunday if anyone's back. Because <laughs> like Michael McDonald, what we'd give for just one minute of real love. What I would give to just walk in community with all of you, keeping it real. Because when you get into what David and these psalmists wrote, it's passionate, it's threatening. They asked for people to be taken out. And so with the new Jesus that's been painted, we wouldn't even permit Jesus to function. Think about you. You know, you're a money changer at the temple. You're brand new. You're 25 years old. You finally saved enough money to be a currency exchanger. And Jesus comes and kills your business. He kicks over the table. All their money flew out. Shouldn't he have warned them? I know this isn't going to look very Christ-like, but my name being Jesus Christ, my last name Christ, you know, I'm going to be kicking. You got five minutes before the kicking begins. He didn't do that. He walks in with the scourge, braided rope, wild look in his face. <sighs> You're brand new. Your money, your coins are going down the street. Even the blind people are feeling for it and grabbing it. <laughs> and Jesus didn't look like the Jesus that we get run down our throat all the time. The one that would never correct their child if they're smoking dope. The Jesus that never is going to stand with the Father and judge the world, and everybody that gets the answers wrong goes to hell. We, 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 need, we need a Bible again where we can, we can understand that being this super nice person that has no opinion probably doesn't look like some, someone that read the Bible, because the Bible is a book of strong opinions. Have no other gods. Let fornication not be once named among you. Don't steal. Be patient with one, or one another. Stay with your mate. Don't abandon them. Don't leave your babies crying in the dark because you flaked out. Because the, the marriage was pressure. Oh, this preaching is better than the amen. I can tell you that right now. So we see... Psalm 120, 120, verse 1 and 2, it says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Wow. Have you ever noticed that most of your problems are people-related? You know, my computers are kind of chill. They're kind of chill. You turn them on. I have a phone that goes moto. Hello, moto. Any of you finally had to... Disable mine from doing that. Be in the middle of the night and I'm rebooting it, and Kim wakes up, ah, who's in the house? You know, hello, Moto, you know. But how many of you find out that your stuff, your waffle iron, and your coffee pot, and your cars even, they kind of work? But it's people are our problem many times, and it's not new, you know. Cain used a low tech weapon, a rock, and killed his brother Abel because of people problem. Ergo, you're going to find that many of the Psalms of Ascents are people crying out to God because they're being persecuted by other people. They're in distress. And they're able to call out for help. This is the, the term Azar. Azar is a Hebrew word means to help, to surround, to protect, to nurture. 
Some of us are familiar with the old hymn of the church. It goes, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to fear your name. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Ebenezer means by God's help. By God's help. Ebenezer means God's help. Here I lift or raise my Ebenezer. Here my thanks of praise for God's help. Thus far, you have helped us along the way. We're on, a, we're on a journey of life, and our songs change. And, and your song is different. I love hanging with my grandies, okay? I, if there was a conflict, President Trump needs to see me versus I've got time for Wesley. I'm going to talk to the person on the phone. Could we rearrange? Because <laughs> Wesley's going to be at the house. Okay? How many of you found out that you had grandchildren and you went crazy immediately? Okay. You just fall in love. Okay. I don't know where I was even going with that. Maybe because Ezar means help. <laughs> when you have grandkids, you need help. Sorry about that. In Psalm 123, which is another one of the Psalms where the psalmist is, is dealing with the help that God brings, he says, to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease, of the contempt of the proud. Wow. Is it okay for someone to have in their prayer and praise and your song changes? Now I'm back to the Wesley story. So little kids, as they begin to sing, they walk, and they tell the story of their life. Have you ever noticed that? My daddy is so big, tell the neighbor mama slapped him down. I'm going to my papa's house. Why do we quit singing? I've grown up, really? Jesus can't do much with you because he can only deal with those that are childlike. Unless you become his children, you can't enter the kingdom. If you don't, if you don't actualize the song for your time. Some of you are looking at me really serious. Because maybe five years, ten years ago, you quit singing. And you've been just kind of not singing your song. Not pouring your heart out to the Lord. And you lose your childlikeness. I tell some stories. When I was in Bible college, I used to, I used to wake up every day. And I would take my guitar and I'd sing psalms. Back in the 70s, there was a lot of scripture songs, you know. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel. 
Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things, who only doeth wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen. Glory, hallelujah, blessed be. So we, you know, my buddies and I that play guitar, we wouldn't do it together. I didn't want them ruining my worship time. And we'd sing songs. And then we would have songs that, that we would write, you know. A friend of mine picked up a song called Standing in the Light, dressed in purest white, see the beautiful bride. And so we'd, coffee house stuff was being, being given. And then you'd have spontaneous stuff. For me, one day I came in, I had a little painting business I'd started, and I was finishing my last year of Bible college, and so I come home, stopped by the, the apartment that I was renting, and uh, I was going to pick up some equipment and head out in my, my rig to go do some painting, and I grabbed my guitar, and all of a sudden, I, Psalm 42 came to my spirit, and so I played minor chords and began to sing. Um, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? There's something about songs that come out of someone's spirit. One of the ones that probably have stirred me more than even some of the stuff I've written is a friend by the name of Danny Burr. Danny was uh, a well-known musician and toured, he and his wife Karen, for years. And he was talking about a period of time when he was trying to save a church. It was a well-known church in Vancouver, Canada, and they had gone on hard times, and the different ones of the former heroes and pastors and leaders had tried to really bring this church together, which, good news, it finally happened. But Danny said that he was trying to lead this church, and he sat at his piano. And uh, then out of, out of his spirit came this. I'll just give part of the song. I can't remember all the words. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Come and fill my heart and calm my troubled seas. Lord, you understand just where I am and what I really need. Spirit of the living God, descend on me. 
Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Come and fill my heart and calm my troubled seas. Lord, you understand just where I am and what I really need. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, descend on me. Wow, I better stick to preaching. <laughs> I, think, I think that we all feel there's a difference between that which is from the actual heart of the writer versus that which is just kind of cutesy. How many of you know that songs like Corey that wrote, uh, <laughs> You're Coming After Me, uh, that song is powerful. It was written in a time of praise and worship and need. This was the, the songs of ascent. This is what these people were dealing with. In Psalm 121, the psalmist wrote, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Some thoughts. <laughs> The Lord is our help. This is the differentiation between the, the unsaved and the righteous. Righteous people have no problem with acknowledging we were powerless to be born again. That we were completely dead in our sins. And through the power of the gospel, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jews and also to the Greeks. It, the gospel, is the power to awaken a dead soul to hear something transcended from God and come into life. And believers know we don't save ourselves. We're not in some classic, huge lecture church behavior modification, we're here preaching the gospel that Jesus came to make dead men alive. And after we're made alive, he will be with us to help us as we journey in this life and into the afterlife where we live forevermore. But God is not here to get you to fake Christianity. He's not here to get you to act like a Christian. He is here to come and awaken you from out of the darkness because that's the greatest help that God can give you. You must, you should 
Be able to say, here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by your help I've come. I'm not standing based on the grace of my own character and based on, on the effectiveness of my own abilities. But we stand on the shoulders of the one who has conveyed us from death into the kingdom of the son of his love. We've been transferred from death to life. We have an Azar. We have an Azar. We have a helper. Oh gosh, I need to go longer to get people stirred up a bit. Don't go near the, don't let the rhino get too near the car. Let's get out of this African safari while we can. He is the help. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. <laughs> he himself watches over your life as you come and go. He is on our side and defends us from any traps our enemies can help are set for us. Over 81 times the word help is speak or as there is spoken of in the scripture describing God's help for us. <laughs> Psalm 124, 6 through 8, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He made heaven and earth. Why could the psalmist look up and say, I look to the hills from whence comes my help? Very special meaning. My sister Cindy may re remember this, but my mom was at Ashland Hospital one time and she was troubled about the surgery she's about to face. And so as she was looking out the windows, this psalm came to her memory from whence I look to the hills. Ashland General Hospital is right up against the hills there. She looked to the hills and she said, I looked to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from God. And God gave her peace that he was going to deliver her through her surgery. He did. Wow. So for me, those are songs of my mama, words from my mama. I treasure historical things. Those who brought me to Christ, those who've nurtured me in Christ, I want to hear their words. I want to hear their songs. The Lord. He's stronger than anything that could come off the hills because he's the hill maker. <laughs> and that's what, that's what these guys, that, that as they were walking up, they were, they were taking time and resource, time, talent, and treasure to go to the feast to honor God in every step along the way. Because our journey usually starts with distress. I call to God in our distress. And it ends up with eyes glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. That should be Christianity. Watch this every week. There'll probably be something I'll be distressed about, maybe even this afternoon if I'm lucky, but definitely by tomorrow. How many of you know that problems will be there? The wolf will be waiting at the door. And we have God as our helper. I'd like to bring us into some realm of a conclusion by three areas where God will be your Azar or your Ezer, your helper. Number one is to know him through eternal salvation. I've been rejoicing that Kanye West made confession of faith toward Jesus Christ. And I've seen people saying, well, the church is going to just doubt whether he was saved or not. I don't know. I don't think this church would. How many of you know the Lord says, the Lord knows them that are his. Let everyone depart. The name's the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. But I welcome Kanye into the kingdom of God. Kim, his wife, Kardashian, they come from Armenian roots. Armenia was, had a genocide that happened in the World War I time. 
where the Turks were slaughtered, Armenian Christians, and they, they, it, was, it was a genocide, and the Germans were there as their allies in World War I, and they learned how to do it, and they did it well. The Germans did in World War II against the Jews. But the Armenian church was the first European country to welcome the Church of Jesus Christ, and so they were the first into life. They were the first into the baptism of sufferings. So Kim and, and one of the children went to one of the oldest churches in the world and was baptized, her and the, and, and the child. And Kanye, I think, was moved by that, or God was doing some other things already in him, and Kanye made his confession. Now, social media is trying to tear him up. Kanye, you're not supposed to be this. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. Kanye West, you can't control him. But I'm glad when I see people who still have money. Kanye's not broke. He hasn't lost his appeal as an entertainer. But he has humbled himself and say, I need a savior. What does it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The number one realm of help that God wants to bring you today is eternal life. If you're a believer, he not only wants you to be saved, but he wants you to enter into eternal life quality today. The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy through the Holy Spirit. So number one realm of help is for your eternal salvation. The second realm is to walk with you through this life. I don't know about you, but I'm still a little boy. I need my daddy. I like the terms that call God the ancient of days. In our family, we called grandpa and dad the old man. I want to be among my family. I want to be the old man. It means you got to survive to get there. I still need my father. Well, Pastor Steve, you've, you've pastored a long time. When are you going to grow up? When I see him face to face. Until that ends, I need you, Lord. I need you. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by your help I've come. It's not over. There are souls to save. There are little eyes that follow me. I need to stay humble. I need to stay forgiving. I want to live life and go out saying, what a ride. He wants to be our help in this life. And thirdly, he wants to be with you through death's door. My mom used to sing a song called, I Don't Want to Cross Jordan Alone. So a few years ago when we said goodbye to mom, we were all there, all of us kids that were in town, and we were there surrounding her bed. And then on the other side was Christ himself saying, well done, June. Welcome into pleasures forevermore. She wasn't alone. 
I just want to tell you that if you have people, don't leave your dying alone. Be with them. I was in Mexico and I got a call. A 91-year-old friend of mine, I've witnessed to him for years and years and years. He owned a, a prominent business here in town, he and his wife, and her faith got shattered at eight years old down in San Diego area where a preacher told her that all the, the Bible was myths. And I prayed and interceded for my two friends. God, save them. Bring them to you. And then I had a terrible vision that my buddy was going to die, my 91-year-old friend. And then, then his wife would come to faith. I get a call. And it's, it's her. She's saying, He's in the hospital. My friend's in the hospital and he's dying. And I said, can I pray with you? Yes, I'd love it, Steve. I said, God, hear my prayer. I've got 10 days before I come home. I pray, God, let my friend live till I can see him. His wife was in agreement two days ago. I got to see him. He resuscitated. He's 91. His organs are failing. He'd tell me, Steve, I love you. I'm dying. The Lord had told me, take your ukulele when you go visit him. And I sat down and I opened up my ukulele. You know you've got to be bold to carry a ukulele or an accordion. I'm the ukulele man, Robert Gotchin. He's the accordion man. We're going to do a gig. Our wives would be there because they have to. Um, and I felt to sing in the garden. As I used to sing with my mom and hear her sing, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice, and as I began to sing it, he sang with me word by word. He knew the song. And I knew that deep inside that 33 degree Mason's heart was still a faith for Jesus. His wife was talking to me. The Lord will be with you. If you have a fear of death, maybe some of you kids, you say, well, death's not really imminent in my life. But some of your friends, if you don't get them to the gospel, they'll just quietly commit suicide. It's good to give our flowers and love people while they're alive. Beautiful young guy, Bob Muthman, back when he was 19 years old, was swimming with, with Ted's brother, Doak, and they were swimming in the Clackamas River, and Bob just sank. No one knows why. 19-year-old brilliant young man, Bob Muthman, died, drowned. <clears throat> I'm not here to take the Psalms of Ascent and make this a morbid because it's a victorious but I want you to know that God is your helper. And we look at the worst thing that could happen to someone is death. But trust me, with him, he's not only going to help you through it. He's going to be there to take you forth on the other side where it's even better. My friend said, tell him, Steve. Tell Russ what happens when he dies. I said, Russ, because of your faith in Jesus, 
when you die, you're not alone. He said, you're making me cry. I said, I'm making me cry too. Because I love you and I have loved you fiercely. Again, in the song of my life, I've sang laments for my friend Jerry Panetta. I want to live life when it's time to mourn, I'm going to mourn with all my heart. And when you have a baby or something good's happening, I want to dance with all my heart. I do not want anyone to modify me into some controlled vision of what they say a Christian looks like because you read the Psalms and they cover the gamut. From heartfelt worship to God, destroy our enemies, break out their teeth. A dentist wrote that Psalm. Stand. <laughs> Time's up. Time's up. In fact, it's been up. I really felt to share what I shared. If we could bow our head and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, I've never called on God. Today I'm touched by the fact that he loves me and he wants to help me to know him and for every other aspect of my life. I'd like every person that came here looking for life, if you came here for life and you'd like to join God and have God join you, that is to be saved, raise your hand real quickly. I see a hand in the back. Let me look around. Do I see any other hands? I see another hand. I see three hands so far. How many of you know that people come here week after week? See another hand over here. People come to find help and hope in God's house. The gospel is the gift, the good news of Jesus is what we give. That God wants to save you and be that helper better than you've ever imagined. Just pray this prayer, let's all pray it together. Believe as you pray it, those of you who want to be a part of God's family, and also there'll be a little bit of instruction at the end on how you can get some more information on walking with God. Let's pray this prayer. Dear Father, I thank you that this faith that I stand on and this faith that I'm entering into was not just cobbled together. It wasn't just pieced together, but it came from your forethought that you knew I would need a Savior. And Jesus is that one. The one who lived perfectly, the one who was the willing sacrifice for the sins of the world, and you raised him from the dead, and he lives forever. Today, God, I ask you, would you save me? You said you would. You said whoever would call on your name would be saved. Today I call on your name. You also said whoever calls on your name would not be ashamed. Take away the shame from my life. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day, dear Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.